Also, I got these great ass Cheetos. You are gonna try these after. Cheddar jalapeno. Dude, let me crunch. tell you, like, don't touch your dick after you eat these, <laughs> but like, they're fucking good. Okay. So anyway, duly noted. I, I got out of work, right? Yep. Uh, and I noticed last night I had a headlight out. I'm like, hey man, you know what I should do? I should fix that headlight so I can drive at night. So I was like, okay, well, you work at an auto parts store. Why don't you buy a headlight? $3 later. I was like, okay, cool. So then I'm like, let me just put this headlight in real quick. I get home. I'm like, I'm going to eat my lunch and then just go put a headlight in and then go do what I got to do. I'm like, all right, I'm going to put this headlight in real quick. Two hours later, I had taken off the entire front of my car and (laughs) I had a big light just hanging out. I literally removed it. Mm-hmm. Like I'd unplugged everything. So I was holding the unit that holds the bulbs. I I I don't even know what happened. I wasn't there, couldn't tell you, but like I all I know is that like that wasn't like it was the only way I could get the fucking bulb out. Yeah, it was one of those weird ones. Yeah, and I I like I've never had to replace a bulb on that car. I, I kind of knew I know what I'm doing around a car, but like I don't understand. So I was so mad. Two hours. Yeah. No, my car is one of those weird ones, too, where you have to, like, go inside something. Dude, I remember when we were trying to put wipers on your car. Which yeah. I, why is Why do vehicles need to be so damn fucking complicated? Like, I don't understand why simple things are so complicated. Because, like, when you look at it, the only reason I had to remove the entire unit mm. is because... You can't get to it. Right. So, like, it's not because it's complicated. It's just... It's because... There's too much shit in the way. There's... It's too secured. Right. Like, I had to... Un- I literally had the front part of my car. Like, the plastic plating at the front of the car. Yep. Hanging off. Because it was the only way I could get it out. I was livid. Sounds about right. I had to go into the wheel well to get stuff out of there. <laughs> I'm so mad. Two hours in the heat. Yeah. Because it it's hot. like 100 degrees out. Yeah, it was hot. And that's why I look like I'm sick of everyone's shit. <laughs> that and I had a massage. Anyway. And when you... See, people always say like, oh, a massage. Like in the movies and the TV. Because I sound like a grandpa right now. They're always like, a massage feels so good. Like I just need a massage to relax. I've never had that. I feel like... Because you're getting it for a specific reason and not just, I feel like those people are like, I'm going to go to the spa and just like an all body massage, whatever. They're not going to get too deep into it. They're just going to like rub, <laughs> just going to rub me out. Yeah, baby. But I feel like you, you, because of your shoulder are getting it in like a specific spot and like are really like working into it to get whatever the hell's messed up with and you. And I think not I, messed up. I think Casey hates me a little bit. Maybe there might I be a little like, a- there might be a little anger in the in the rub. I've known her 17 years, right? Mm. I'm sure she likes this way more than she should. Probably. There's there's some there's, there's probably there's a, a little something little therapeutic. Enjoy, yeah, a little enjoyment out of that. Yeah, there's something therapeutic about her doing this. Mm-hmm. And she's getting money out of it. Right. So win win. I called her a whore. I was like Hey, wow, that that's on. I was like, hey, um, thank you for uh, pleasuring my body with yours. And she was like, that made me sound like a slut. I was like, it did. 
But anyway, yeah, so like my entire left side of my body smells like biofreeze and hurts like a bitch. I spent two hours in the heat fixing a fucking bulb. I am just not a happy individual right now. I feel like it's a perfect mood to be in to podcast. I think that it means that I will be critical of everything and be level-headed and happy to be here. Hi, we're Navi Tales. Hi. We uh, are a video game lore podcast. We we look at the lore of video games and talk about it because we really, really, we really like the stories. I'm Josh. I'm Nick. And um, yeah, this week we've decided to talk about a game that is near and dear to both of our hearts, Bloodborne. Yeah. And I know what you're thinking... Guys, you're tackling a FromSoft game already, and I know what I'm thinking. Yeah, this might have been a mistake, but we're doing it anyway. <laughs> there is a bunch of stuff in this game. We are not going to tackle all of it. Yes. As we've been doing leading up to a lack of content, we've been doing very basic run-throughs of the history of most of these games, the in-game history of most of these games. So right now, that is what we're going to do with Bloodborne. Uh in the future, we plan on revisiting most of the games that we've talked about, including this one with other stuff. So, like, most of this won't include the DLC, maybe a little touch of cost, but won't really deal with the DLC and all that. But um, Bloodborne is a game for the PS4. came out, I think it launched with the PS4. It came out right after it. But it's, uh, yeah, it's a really big game, and it's considered a Souls game because it plays just, like, Dark Souls. Uh, including the difficulty spike. When did it come out? 2015. Okay. But, yeah, Nick, how were you introduced to Bloodborne? I know the answer to this question. <laughs> uh, you introduced me to Bloodborne, Josh. Yeah, I did. Uh, you told me that it was a really good game and that I should play it. And you said that I'd, I'd probably like it and be good at it. Um, so you let me borrow your copy. And I was playing through it, and I stopped at some point. To like play at, uh, to play other things. You got pissed at Marta Legerius. That's right. I got, <laughs> that's right. I got pissed at Marta Legerius, and I was playing other games. And then you, I saw you on PlayStation. And you were playing Bloodborne, and now I'm like, his copy of Bloodborne is in my house. How is he doing this? So I texted Josh, and I was like, Josh, how are you playing Bloodborne? I have your copy, and he goes, Oh, I bought it again. You can keep that one. And I was like. Well, I guess I own a copy of Bloodborne now. I think my exact words were, surprise! <laughs> so, yeah. Then I continued to finish out the game, and then I continued to play it through the entire game a second time, and then play the DLC, and then platinum it. Yeah, I haven't even platinumed it, and it's one of my favorite games of all time. So, that was my experience with the game. I mean, I love From games. I, I buy... I've bought every FromSoft game. Yeah, I haven't played any of the Dark Souls ones. I've only played Bloodborne uh, to this point. I mean, I was I have my thoughts on three. Yes. I think it's a very flawed game, and even a FromSoft flawed game is still a pretty fucking good game. Right. But it's no Dark Souls one. But I my favorite in the franchise, all of Dark Souls and Bloodborne is Bloodborne. I liked Bloodborne more than any of them. It's one of my favorite games of all time. I uh I mean, it's it's probably two or three up there because The Witcher is number one, Witcher three, and then it, I mean it's Earthbound or Bloodborne for the next slot. No, yeah, Bloodborne's really fun to play through when you don't want to punch a hole in the wall. 
Like that dog? <laughs> like that dog or Marta Legerius. <laughs> Dude, we beat Marta in like two tries after you picked it back up. Yeah, I picked it back up. And then what, even when I went through the second time, I did it by myself and it was fine. He's it not, was just whatever that first it's, time. You sometimes just get stuck. Your play style gets you stuck on things. It was. And like, yeah, I ended up like really loving the game and platinuming it. But when, I, when you first gave me that game, I sucked at it. Like that first area when you're just walking down the street, I don't know how many times I died that. It and takes now, a, and like now I could like breeze through that. The game is defined by learning curve. Oh, like from from absolutely. games, all are you learn as you go, and when you go back to areas that you knew, or you like do a new game plus or something, like you feel stronger and more knowledgeable. Like the game rewards you for playing it. Which sounds weird, but you'd be surprised how many games don't reward you for actually playing the game. Right. And uh, making mistakes. And yeah. Dying and dying. And dying. And dying a little bit. And dying a little bit on the game and a little bit on the outside. Let me... So, speaking of play styles, you have always made fun of me about this in Bloodborne, but I cannot beat Ron the Vacuous Spider to you save cannot. my fucking life. I, I never can! I think it's one of the easiest bosses in this game, and Josh just... I when I've had to fight him in the chalices, when I had to fight him as a boss, and I had to fight him in New Game Plus, I her actually Rom's a girl, no. but I can never beat Rom. I really just suck fighting that one boss. Yeah, it's because I think my crowd control isn't super good, but my single like fighting is good. Because like Marta Legarius, I beat really easy. Yeah, like really really easy. He like you struggled with him though because it's just a one on one fight. So. I don't know. I beat him like first or second try. Yeah, it took me a while, but yeah, Rom was like first or second try with Rom too. Yeah, but no matter how good I am at one-on-one fighting, fucking Koss can suck a dick. Koss was fun. That was so much fun. I liked that whole DLC, but we're not talking about that, right? I love. Oh yeah, we're not talking about that today. They had deep ones in it. Anyway, today. We are talking about the main story for Bloodborne. Now, a little bit of the DLC will leak over because nightmares and stuff, but this game deals with a lot of weird concepts. With it being called Bloodborne, it deals a lot with blood. Shocking. And rebirth. Also shocking. Nice. And then, as well as dealing with, um, what's the word I was looking for? A lot of dreams. Yes. Dreams matter a lot in this, which is a common theme between this and the main inspiration for a lot of the story, H.P. Lovecraft. This game is very, 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 very inspired by H.P. Lovecraft. Super. Uh, in so many different ways, and that's really what drew me to the game. I've always been a fan of H.P. Lovecraft's writings that aren't super racist. So I, I've really loved seeing all that come to life in this. It's the closest I've ever gotten to a Call of Cthulhu game so far. And because that's coming out at the end of the year. Uh, and I know they came out with that one for Steam on PC, but that game sucked dick. But it, it wasn't good. So no don't worry about, about it. All right. But anyway, let's, let's dive into the story for Bloodborne. We're going to go back mm, years and years and years and years before any of the events of this game happened. Nick, start us off, please. So, most of this game takes place in the city of Yarnum, and deep below that city was a labyrinth that was built by the Thamarians. The Thamarians. The Thamarians, <laughs> but the P is silent, so it's the Thamarians. 
where they recited and they basically worshipped uh, these gods that they believed were like gods and they called them the great ones. Which is a, a super inspiration to the great old or super inspired by the great old ones in Lovecraft's writings. Can we talk about how every time I see the Thumerian's name, I think of pterodactyls. I, yeah. I, it's just how it looks with the silent P and everything. I just picture them, these screeching pterodactyls. They're much scarier, but I just picture them, these screeching pterodactyls. There should have been a boss. Yeah, I don't know. No, it shouldn't have. <laughs> Flying bosses in these games suck. Yeah, they do. Um, Eventually, they made contact with these so-called Great Ones, as traces of godlike beings were later found in the tombs. Uh, the Great Ones had elevated their consciousness beyond the physical realm, and they were considered to exist on a higher plane than humanity because of this. So this is why they believe they, people looked up to them as gods. I do this pretty regularly. I like to elevate my existence to a higher plane. I choose to come back because the gods that I meet on that higher plane have a real fucking issue with sarcasm. Mm-hmm. They're not very sarcastic. They don't take that well. They don't understand it. It's uh. it's not that they don't take it well. They don't understand it. So I'll say something sarcastic and they'll think I'm serious. It gets really frustrating after a while. So I have to come back down to earth. Like, it's just kind of how shit rolls, you know? Yeah. It'd be a good movie. Yeah, I mean, I think it'd be a shitty movie. Probably. I think my <laughs> idea about Elon Musk would be a better movie. Have I ever told you my idea about Elon I Musk? I feel like you have, but I don't remember it. I think... We need to make a movie about how Elon Musk is a Martian. He like gets up in front of the United States and announces, guys, I'm a Martian. That's why this whole SpaceX program exists. I want to go home. And so the world bands together to send Elon Musk back to Mars. And it's like a good, like a good family film, like a feel-good family flick. And like I want to win like a like a Golden Globe for it. I, I, it's not an Oscar film, but a Golden Globe would be nice. And I want Elon Musk to actually be played by him. Yep. I think that like we can make this happen. I mean, we can't. There's no fucking way because I don't know Elon Musk. But like, I feel like it'd be a nice, nice family film. Sending him back to Mars. I agree. I'd yeah. watch it. Ten out of ten. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. I wouldn't. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, people eventually find the tombs below their city, and they name their city after the Queen of the Thumerians, Queen Yarnum. That's how you get What that. a lot of fortunate name. Yeah. What can you do? Yeah, you, sometimes you just get those parents. Just like, I'm going to name my kid after the... <laughs> I bet her first name was Aurora. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like a stripper name. I don't know why anyone would actually name their kid that. I've seen it, though. But every time I think I hear Aurora, I'm like, wow, your kid is going to take their clothes off to get through college. Like, your kid is going to touch businessmen where businessmen want to be touched. It's one of the Disney princesses, too. So there's that. That changes nothing. No, I know. I'm just... I was just saying. I'm not saying it needs to change anything. I'm just pointing it out. Let that sink in. See, when I have a kid, you know what I'm going to name her? What's that? Not Aurora. I'm going to name her... Like something like Glognock, because I want her <laughs> beauty and personality to be what attracts them. And if like it'd be like, oh, my name's Glognock, then like if the guy stays, even though her name's Glognock, then like it's because of her. Because it's real. That's yeah. when you know. That's when you know. So I feel like that'll be a good thing for my daughter. Sure, yeah, she'll get bullied, but, like, I have self-esteem problems, and Everybody. I was never bullied. So, like, who's to say that it will never happen to her? Right. Like, and, like, I mean, my name's just Josh. Like, it's a pretty common name. 
but Glognock, I mean, it's unique too. Like maybe she'll like grow into it. Yeah. Get a little nickname, call her Glock. <laughs> hey Glog, come here. Dinner's ready. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, that's why I'm never gonna have children. No woman would ever touch me. <laughs> We're gonna name my kid Glognock. Oh yeah, they would never touch me. Leaves immediately. Um, among the people who make this discovery within the tombs is a man named Provost William. And he's Willem. the head Willem, sorry. He is the head of a Bergenworth College. Bergenworth! Bergenworth. <laughs> Bergenworth. Uh Willem and his scholars discover the blood of the Great Ones within the tombs. And also another student of Bergenworth uh, named Carol was able to transcribe the utterings of the Great Ones found within the tombs into runes, and these become the Carol runes in the game. Uh, she, the speech of the Great Ones is often referred to as being really hard for humans to understand, but uh, Carol had a certain talent for making visual representations of certain words that they had, so... They're the runes you brand onto your brain. Yeah. You I mean, literally, like, they don't say that you don't literally do that. No, I it's think one it of the weird things. I think it literally says that, like, you etch it into your mind. Yeah, you... And, like, then you gain, like, strength and... Yeah. Stuff the, like that. Uh, did you ever do the one where you talk to the brain of Mensis? Yes. So it's one of my favorite parts in the game. I'm gonna go over it real quick. So you learn this emote called Make Contact, which is a weird emote, obviously super inspired by the Praise the Sun emote. But, like, it's this weird one where, like, you stick one arm straight up in the air and you stick the other one straight off to the side. So you look like an L. I'm doing it right now. For everybody to for see. For everyone to see. <laughs> so you do that and it's, you, it's supposed to make contact with the Great Ones, but it never does. So you go down to where the brain of Mensis in, is, where, which is one of the great ones that you encounter in the game. It's this decaying, weird brain. Literally, it's a, it's a brain that has decay and rot all on it and one big fucking eye. Yeah. And it's terrifying. So, like, what you can do, you can kill it and you get some insight, whatever. But what you can do is you can go up to it and you can do the make contact emote. And it'll still do nothing. But if you hold it long enough... Your arms get tired, so you swap sides. So I think the default is left arm straight in the air, right arm to the side. If you wait long enough, they swap it, so the left arm's to the side. I'm doing it for all of you to see. Right. And the what happens is you gain a rune because you've because of that switch, you actually learned how to make contact correctly. <laughs> and you make contact with the, the brain of Mensis, and he you get a rune because because of that contact, it spoke back to you. Yeah. And that what it said back to you was that rune. I think the rune is called Mind or something. Yeah, something like that. Like it's something weird, but it's it's really cool to me. I always I always thought that part's really cool because it is the only time you really communicate with a great one. Yeah. And how they represented that, I always thought was really really cool because you just get a rune. It's like. Most people wouldn't even know it was there. Most people go down, kill the brain, and leave because it's like a couple hits and it's dead. Yeah, because it literally just lays there. Yeah, it doesn't attack or anything. But yeah, I, I always thought that was really cool. That's like you you gain knowledge from communicating. It's, oh, I love it. Oh, I love this game. <laughs> so they use these runes, hunters and people. Sorry, I'm dying. Use these runes to uh, 
gained strength. The the college of the Bergenworth College. I love the the name. Some of the names in this I love. Yeah, they're great. With Bergenworth being absolutely my it's favorite. It's fun to say. Yeah. So the Bergenworth College discovered that the blood of these great ones had great healing properties and could cure multiple illnesses and diseases. So the healing church was made. Now, Willem didn't want the healing church to be made. It was created by a guy named Lawrence who believed that the blood was a miracle and that the church could help distribute it. But Willem was not a fan. Uh, there's, it's one of the only cutscenes in the game which is when Willem and Lawrence part ways. Yeah. Willem's in his rocking chair because it's all he did. He was just like, think Goodman. Like the actor, uh, what's his name? John Goodman. Mm -hmm. At his fattest. He was fat. He was unhealthy for a while. Now he's looking good. Yeah. Like, and I love him. I'll watch any movie with him in it. But he was like unhealthy for a while. It was right around Monsters Incorporated time, so no one had to see his face. <laughs> Think that. But blind in a wheelchair. That's Provost Willem. With a cane. With a cane. Staff and like thing. a like a like a Pope hat. Yeah. He had a Pope hat on. Because he was a prof teacher professor thing. Yeah, so it's one of the only cutscenes in the game, and it's when they part ways, and that's where you get the fear of the old blood from. Yes. But uh yeah, Willem uh, did not approve the use of blood and because he thought it was dangerous. He thought that giving all these people this old blood would, like, have an issue. Yeah. And he thought that relying too much on the blood would be unhealthy for them in the long run, so he was more interested in insight, which we'll get to. But um, Lawrence left with a bunch of other people who agreed with Lawrence and created the Healing Church. Um, this, uh, and then started healing people all over Yarnum with the blood because the blood could do that. The old blood, the blood of the old gods could do that. So this made the healing church and by extension Yarnum very popular and powerful. Willem believed that the correct path to follow was to obtain more insight because he believed that humanity's eyes had yet to open, quote unquote. Grant us eyes! <laughs> Grant us eyes! I Dude, I any the other the I love Mensis. I love uh Mikolosh, mm. how he runs around. Some say Koss or Kossum. Like yeah. he just says the weirdest shit and him running around with a cage on his head saying, Grant us eyes is all I remember from that boss. That and mirrors. Like yeah. but um he believed uh that humanity's eyes had yet to open. His research was heavily influenced by this to the point where the first half of the students yeah the first students you meet of Bergenworth College are half flies because they had a bunch of fucking eyes like he I think what how I've always viewed that they don't specifically say why the students at Bergenworth start turning into like crazy bug creatures I think it was a mixture of gaining insight with Becoming a scourge beast, which changed their mutation. Mm. I think it's very similar to kind of what happened with uh, the things in the DLC, the fish creatures, and more importantly, the slug creatures. How they were influenced by Koss, but I think they also may have gotten the scourge. 
Like that's how I've always viewed it. I don't think that's a hundred percent said whether or not that's real. Yeah. I don't think it's ever explicitly said, but I think it's something that we can imply. But especially by the fact that eyes are so important to the college of or uh Bergenwer. So uh, they got a bunch of eyes, uh, and Willem tried to line his brain with a bunch of eyes. Again, I can only take this as literally. Yeah, like because it, that's it, literally like the line, but I don't know if he literally tried to do that or if it's, it's like metaphoric. It's one of those things with with dealing with Bloodborne. Yeah. Is a, they say a lot of things, and you don't know whether you should take them literally or not, because yeah. in this universe... You totally could take someone lining their brain with eyes, literally. Yeah. That's how it works in Bloodborne. Or it could be a metaphor. It's They're equally possible. So I think that's one of the coolest parts about Bloodborne, and especially their lore, is so much of it is up for question. It's why I love the Souls games so much. So much of it is up for question. And you don't know if it's 100% true or 100% false, you can make an assumption, and my assumption can be different than someone else's, but they both hold merit. Yeah. And that's what I've always loved about the lore for this game. Like, some of it's concrete, don't get me wrong, or else we wouldn't be able to do this podcast on Bloodborne. Right. But something like this, I've always just fucking loved. So I'm picturing Willem with a bunch of eyes on his brain. Um, So we have these two ascended... Uh, these two leaders figuring leading two different groups, each pursuing their own idea of what the better way to ascend humanity to a higher place is. Insight versus blood, which are both very important things as character mechanics in Bloodborne. Right. Insight does certain things, although you hit a point in the game where insight does fuck all, and blood True. blood echoes or blood is how you level up. You hit a point where you don't you want. You, yeah, you hit a point where you don't want insight because it makes the game fucking harder. Because you, I wonder if that, but like, can that be interpreted as like, you, get, you gain insight and you're able to see more, like more truths. No, you that was two, the, one of the cooler parts about insight, in my opinion. If you get 20 insight before the blood moon, like, you can see the, I think it's 20 insight, the church things, those big, tall, ghoulish looking things, mm -hmm. change. Like, the lanterns, they get stronger abilities and stuff. But I think if you hit 40 insight, which is pretty hard to get, yeah. before the blood moon, you can see the... Um, amygdalas. The, yeah, the amygdalas. Oh, amygdala! Have mercy on the poor bastard! Like, uh, you can see the amygdalas hanging off and stuff before the blood moon, which you normally would only see after the blood moon, when the veil is lifted. Mm. But, um... Yeah, before the Blood Moon Insight does things like that, but I think after the Blood Moon, all it does is get you killed by Winter Lanterns faster. So Pretty much. <laughs> like, I, I think as far as game mechanics go, Blood is better than Insight, but I think as far as lore is concerned, Insight fucked up way less stuff than Blood. <laughs> True. So uh, what does, let's talk about Lawrence and the church real quick. Yeah, so Lawrence split the church into multiple branches, um, creating the choir, the school of Mensis, and the workshop. So the choir was made to continue the effort to ascend humanity to a higher plane. Um, they were actually made up of students from Bergenworth, and therefore they mostly followed the teachings of Master William. Willem? Defoe? 
What up? Yeah, yeah, Master Willem Dafoe. Um, That's how I've always viewed it. So, um, so yeah, they believed in the worth of uh, of insight and eyes, and they even followed them to the point where they would their outfits that they wore were they had like bandanas and stuff to cover their eyes. Yeah, because... similar to how Master Willem looked. Yeah, Master Willem wore like this. I, it's like this metal piece over his eyes. So when you finally meet Willem, he first off he's just pitiful. Just yeah. <laughs> in a rocking How, chair. Again, I've always looked at it as he's gained that much insight that he's no longer speaking on our plane. I, I viewed him as a success mm-hmm. actually, but yeah, I thought I, I've always thought it was cool that they had the the coverings. So the choir was able to come in contact with Ibridis, who was a great one that was left behind. Uh, not able to ascend with the other great ones. Abandoned Abritus. <laughs> yes. I. What a fun boss. I loved Abritus. Abritus was fun. She, yeah. was a, she was a lot of fun. Most of the, the great ones we encounter are female. Because this game's all about fucking low-key, all about sex. <laughs> like, no, I'm serious. There's, there's so many sexual innuendos, but not sexual innuendos. Like, A, sexual innuendos. Like, that's about sex. Yeah. Like, it's it's really, really strange to me. Um, so, but yeah, Abritus, yeah, Abritus was abandoned. Abandoned. So, uh, with the help of Abritus, Abritus was able to teach the choir, uh, different things about the Great Ones. Uh, this is how you get the Augur of Abritus tool and how many people who come from the choir can utilize that tool. I love the Augur of Abritus. Oh, it was great. I did a arcane playthrough of Bloodborne, which is a very frowned upon build and it was a difficult build let me tell you that was my uh, new game plus playthrough I did strength the first time and then uh, arcane the second time yeah and arcane playthroughs like a blood tinge playthrough you have to want to do that to do that right but it's so much fun but because like you could go around it's really the only time you want to cast spells so like I'm using the tiny tinnitus and stuff to cast lightning all around me but like it's so fun to me. I, I had a lot of fun with that playthrough. Oh, I did too. And especially considering you could get um, not Lawrence, the other guy. Uh, Ludwig. Ludwig, yeah. You could yeah, get holy sword Ludwig's holy sword in the DLC. The moon uh with the the moonlight sword or whatever. Yeah. Played through the game twice. First time I used the uh holy sword and the second time I used the moonlight one. So I used both giant swords in the playthrough because both of literally the best weapons in the fucking game. And both of Ludwig's swords. Yeah. Uh, my f- first playthrough, I used... I think I used some fucking weird weapons. I used the tinnitus. Did you? Yeah, yeah. because it, it scales that. off arcane. Electricity scales off arcane. So I used that for like most of the game. Yeah, that was a fun playthrough. <laughs> so <laughs> the next branch after the choir was the church... Uh, was the the school of Mansus. These scholars are trying to talk to great ones and make themselves and successfully makes themselves insane in the process. This is where my boy Mikolash comes in. Students here typically wore a Mensis cage, which is this big, long. It, there's no other way to describe it. Cage yeah. on your head. So like you have a cage over your head, and then it goes so long you could fit another head in there. Yeah, because like a, they like th- a bird cage, but like skinnier and taller. Yeah. So, and they thought this would help them get the contact with the great ones, like an antenna. They That's were why not? They were all fucking insane. Yeah, I love they were it. Nuts. 
Students here, uh, the, the school operated out of a village below Yarnum, uh, in a place called Yargul, the Forgotten Village, or something like that. Yeah. And the, or the Unseen Village. The Unseen, yeah, uh, Yargul, the Unseen Village, where you have those weird guys with sacks who kidnap you. Yeah. Oh, God, that was... It's so creepy when you first encounter those. Oh, it really is. So you encounter them for the first time after you beat one of the bosses. I want to say, um, name escapes me. Which the, the lady wolf? No, it's not after. Uh, was it Annalise? No. Why can't I remember her name? I always thought she was cool too. Um, but yeah, it's. I don't think it's after her. I think it's before her. I think there's a boss you can fight before her. Maybe the hags, the witches. Oh, the witches are. You can fight them before her. Yeah, that's true. I always did it after though, so I don't know. I don't know. But anyway, they're these creepy-looking guys with hoods and giant sacks. Who when and you they're f- max, they're like tall. Yeah, and they hurt. Oh, they hurt. Like when like you hell. encounter them, they're way over leveled for you because they're supposed to be. So you you encounter these things, and when they kill you, you're like, oh shit, I died. But you didn't. Yeah. And then plays a cutscene of you getting kidnapped in that sack and brought to Yargul, the unseen village. And you now are just in Yargul and you have no way out other than to continue forward. Yeah. You can't warp out or anything because you don't have a, a lantern. Yeah, you just wake up in like cells. It, like, caught me off guard the first time. No, it did, too. Because, and that's, like, dope. Like, just, like, so see, cool. like, the only way to get to that place the first time is to get kidnapped by them. And yeah. when you find a lantern, obviously, you can warp back. But like, and then, like, eventually, you purposely go to Yargul, and you, like, go to this area, and you're like, oh, I've been here before. This is where I got kidnapped. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, oh, I've always loved it. Oh, I love this game. Um, even though the schools shared similar goals with the healing church, they distanced themselves as much as they could from the church. Uh, the school's able to make contact with the Great Ones, specifically Mergo, by using one of uh, the umbilical cords. They also resulted in the entire school being dragged into the Nightmare Realm, uh, or a Dream Realm. Mergo is an infant Great One, with her the parents being Queen Yarnum and Eden Odin. Odin? I don't really... They, these, games are, these names are almost impossible to pronounce, because I think they're supposed to be. Yeah. But um, it's O-D-E-O-N. Odeon. Odeon. A great one. But And I, I wanted to put this in at this point. Um, they made a great one. Kind of. Um, yeah. Well, what was that boss called? The um, It, it was uh, that weird amalgamation. The One Reborn? Yeah, the One Reborn. So you go, like, to go there, and they... This thing... Like crawls out of the moon. It looks like it crawls out of the moon. And it looks like it's being born. Yeah. Like it literally looks like how it comes out. It looks like a birthing, and it's called the One Reborn. And it is a great one that the school of Mentis made out of dead corpses. Yeah. It's just like a blob of like flesh and things. And like and at the there's... top, there's just like this human body that's just like swaying back and forth. It's grotesque. But I don't think it was ever considered a full great one. They were trying to make a great one. Mm. That was one of the things that they were trying to do because each part of the of the the church had their own great one, and that includes the College of Bergenworth because they had the Bergenworth Spider mm. Rom. The choir had a Breedus. The uh, School of Mensis had the Brain of Mensis, and they had the One Reborn. And then uh, the hunters had the moon entity, so they were like they each had their own great one, or and were trying to make great ones. Yeah, it was fucked up. 
It's really, really fucked up. Yeah. So, but yeah, they um, they also were had made contact with Murgo, which was an infant. Uh, if you ever hear crying in Bloodborne, it's probably Murgo. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's a, it's a literally a baby. It's really fucking cool. Yeah, and it was born from Queen Yarnum gave birth to it, and that's why like you can when you find Queen Yarnum, she's she's like bleeding from the belly. And that's one of the things with how great ones are born. They can't consummate with themselves. They can only have children through women during the blood moon. So that's why shit hits the fan with like every woman you encounter in the game, every NPC woman you encounter in Bloodborne. They all go fucking crazy because they're either miscarrying or giving birth to great ones. Because some of them literally do. That's how you get the umbilical cords. Yeah. Like, it's wild. I love it. <laughs> it's... Yeah, it's fucking insane. Uh, so the third group of the church was known as the Hunters of the Workshop. And this is where, kind of where you came from, because you play as a hunter. You're not a hunter of the workshop. Right. But... You're. Um, the Hunters were a group of warriors for the church as an answer to the scourge of the beast starting to appear in Yarnum. Which I think we should touch on a little bit Yeah. outside of what we have down for notes. They were giving all these people blood to heal them. Right, because everybody came from far and wide yeah. to Yarnum because they had magical healing. What we didn't know is that giving people blood would curse them or make them monsters. Yeah, fine print had a slight side effect. Uh, yeah, they, they were turning people into beasts, both in mind and body, creating a bunch of fucking problems. So, uh... They had the hunters. Yes, yeah, so the hunters were led by Gearman, who was the first hunter. My favorite character in Bloodborne, and I, I, I think it's an unpopular opinion. Um, I think most people like uh, like Annalise or who's the um, the the chick you fight in the DLC. Oh, uh, Maria. Yeah. Excuse me. I think a lot of people like Maria. I th- I thought her fight was dope. I also thought Gearman's fight was dope, but I thought her fight was dope. I just love the cutscene with Gearman before you fight him. Like, if you choose to fight him. Yeah. Like, tonight, Gearman joins the hunt. And then you see him stand up, and then you see him, like, shoot out his scythe. And I'm just like, oh my god, Gearman. (laughs) (laughs) Calm down. He's like, because, like, the entire game you see Gearman, he's just, like, this old man in a wheelchair. Yeah. And, like, when you... if you choose to finally fight him, we'll deal with that at the end. But if you choose to finally fight him, his line is, Tonight, Garmin joins the hunt. And it's fucking... I love him. If I were ever to do a cosplay... And I, and I think he's a, like a, not a good character. I think he's a dickhead because he's the reason that we have a lot of the problems we have. Mm. Um, but I think that if I were ever to do a Bloodborne cosplay, I'd want to do Garmin. Mostly so I could sit in a wheelchair and have people roll me around all day. <laughs> the easiest cosplay ever. Find some girl to dress up as the doll. Yes. Roll me around in my wheelchair all day. I'll dress up as the doll. <laughs> be my doll. I'll be your doll, Josh. So, um, the hunters worked in secrecy to fight the beasts as to not uh, to alert the townspeople that the blood was turning them into beasts. Yeah, so they were, they were hiding in shit. And I always thought it was really cool. Some of the the clothing and stuff that talks about it, like there's, you get like homeless clothing. They're like they used this to kind of hide in the streets and stuff, but they were hunters. Yeah. Like ah, oh, I've always loved the hunters. Oh, this game, I love this game, Nick. Oh, it's so great. 
Uh, so, and then Ashen Blood shows up. So Ashen Blood uh, helps spread the scourge faster and old Yarnum to the point where it is abandoned. Which is true, but I have a little bit more to add to that. Um, first off, the Ashen Blood was a poison that they think was spread by the church to kind of throw people off balance because you get these pellets that uh, were used to heal the Ashen Blood. But what they do in game is heal poison. So they actually think that it was the Ashen Blood was a poison spread into Old Yarnum so that they could kind of take out the Scourge in that area. So Ashen Blood was a little bit separate than the Scourge. The other thing is that this is where the powder kegs come in. I was explaining this to Nick ahead of time because he, he didn't, he was like, what the fuck are the powder kegs? If you ever use a weapon in Bloodborne that goes boom, you know who the powder kegs are. They're this group of hunters that were considered heretical by the general population of hunters because they were fucking crazy and liked blowing shit up and end up blowing up old Yarnum. Like, they end up burning it for the most part. Their motto was, if a weapon ain't got kick, it just ain't worth it. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's so cool. You only really meet one powder kegger in the game, and that's Jura, the hunter that's protecting old Yarnum because he regrets his actions. Because that was the end of the powder keggers after that. Because, like, they were, at that point, they burned down half the fucking city. Like, they are no longer welcome in the city They that's left. Yeah. So... Ash and blood happens. Uh, this led to the hunt becoming public because now everyone knows that hunters exist because people escaped Old Yarnum. So that becomes a problem. This results in the workshop being closed and the healing church relocating to the Upper Cathedral Ward. I fucking hated the Upper Cathedral Ward. Yeah, it wasn't that fun. Um, I just liked it because you finally fought a Breedus. The hunters were formed in the church... Uh, hunter workshop with Ludwig being the lead hunter of the group. Uh, so now we have we had the hunters before, but now we have the hunters of the church. Yeah. Which... So the old hunter workshop was uh, disbanded yeah. when the healing church fled to the upper cathedral ward, and then they started the hunters of the church. Yeah, the the church hunters. The church hunters. Uh, led by Ludwig, um, and Ludwig was kind of like a popular figure to have at that he'd like lead nightly hunts to go fight them and like come on villagers we can all do this together he was like a friendly dude yeah he brought he just like brought villagers to go fight the because beasts. it was like a morale boost and stuff i really I, i've always liked him he was a fun boss too um w which can be said about most characters in this he was a fun boss because <laughs> yeah. you fight like fucking everyone yeah you really do um so uh there were black church hunters and white church hunters each kind of holding a different role the job of the black church hunters was to remove any signs of the scourge, no matter how small. The white church hunters focused more on using the blood in experiments to gain more knowledge of how to combat the scourge. So one was just fighting, the other was experimenting. Yeah, and like the point where like the black church hunters were like, if you had any sign of the scourge, even if it hadn't like manifested yet, you did. They, I, they, they're taking you out. And one of the things they talk about is if you had any sign of the scourge or even some that weren't a sign of the scourge. So it kind of like hints at corruption within the church saying like, I don't think you have the scourge, but I don't like you. Yeah. So I'm going to have you killed and I will say you had a sign of the scourge. Like it was like it led to a lot of corruption within the church. Uh, meanwhile, Willem's just putting eyes in his brain. <laughs> 
So I think I, I just don't want us to forget that like this is a like the main part of the story is all through the church, right? But I don't think we. I, I just don't want us to forget that Willem's shoving eyeballs in his brain, right? Like simultaneously, yeah. As it's going, two paths. Yeah. So uh, tell tell me a little bit about fucking Rom. <laughs> so yeah, going back to Willem, uh, Rom the vacuous spider is a creature that resides at the in the Great Lake near Bergenworth, and uh, Rom is important as it's linked to the barrier that prevents normal citizens from seeing the true hor- horrors around them. So earlier we talked about. How if you gain a certain number of insight before the uh, blood moon appears, you could see the amygdalas and stuff like that. Yeah, bitch! And Josh just threw a water bottle across the room. I threw it at five nights at Freddy's. <laughs> um, so the blood moon shows up when you defeat Rom. So Rom is the thing that's standing in the way from everybody seeing the real truth of the world. Rom is the barrier. Right. So, uh, with Rom, I've always kind of thought, uh, and this is 100% how I view it, not 100% said in the game, but you can draw those conclusions with a game like Bloodborne. In H.P. Lovecraft's writing, he had um, a lot of gods that were considered idiot gods, that are just these gods that are kind of accidentally doing their job, to the point where the god that created the universe accidentally created us he's called um like the dumb idiot god or something like that where he's so powerful it was an accident and if he ever realized we existed he'd probably just erase us in an instant i've always viewed rom as that this not an intelligent god but still an old one kind of doing her job keeping that veil up Mm. but not doing it because she was told to just kind of just doing it. Because it just happens. Because it's it just something that happens. It's just what she does. Because like she doesn't attack you until you attack her. She just you can literally just walk up to her and she won't do a thing. Yeah, and She's like just kinda like mind her own business. I've always just thought that Rom was a just an idiot god, just kind of there accidentally doing what exactly what she needed to do. And like we just took advantage of that after because she was created. We that she was Rom is proof that you can create an old one. Uh, so I've always just looked at Rom like that. And part of that is because I'm more familiar with with Lovecraft writings than someone such as yourself. So I'm familiar with the concept of idiot gods. So yeah, that's how, that's just how I've always viewed Rom. I don't think it's a hundred percent true, but I also don't think it's a hundred percent not. I'm dying. Yeah. I think it's these jalapeno Cheetos. Yeah. It probably is. They gave me heartburn. Probably. Like, and, and like, so if you hear stalling in that, it's because I'm like burping. Yeah. Josh is having issues. <laughs> yeah. I'm dying. So Josh, you want to tell us about uh, Gearman, your favorite character? I love Gearman. So Gearman found an umbilical cord and used it to call upon the great one seeking a friend and a purpose after the original workshop was disbanded. Gearman's call was heard and a great one, the moon presence answered and imprisoned him in a dream. Um... It implies a little bit that he wasn't the only one to do that. It implies that Lawrence and Willem may have had something to do with that. Because there's a, a part where, like, if you can't find him at certain points, he might be in the garden. Mm-hmm. And if he's in the garden, he's asleep and crying to himself. 
about like, please let me out of here. Yeah, he's he's calling for Willem and Lawrence. Yeah. So because he's like, I don't want to be here anymore. And like you can't, you have no idea how long this has been going on. Right. Like you don't. It doesn't give you a concept of how long Garman has been in the dream. Because that's what happens. He sends him into a dream, and it's called the Hunter's Dream. And it's so, your your home base, basically, for... Yeah, it's your safe zone. It's the only safe zone you have. And then, which makes it all the much better when you go in there and the fucking house is on fire. I love that, because you it literally is the only safe place you have in the game. Right. But when you go in there after... I, th- I think it's after you kill right. the wet nurse. Yeah. You go in there, and like... Because there's a, the, a workshop in there where you can do all your stuff. You go in there, and it's on fire. First time I saw it, I was like... Oh God! What the fuck happened? Because <laughs> like, but what did I do? Yeah, it's like your safe place is now on fire. Congratulations! It's ah, so cool. I love ah, God. I love this game. <laughs> um, so he he was imprisoned in the dream. Uh, we know he's yeah. Uh, Garman is now the head of the Hunter's Dream, a place created by the Moon Presence for hunters to be called to and be sent out into the waking world to hunt beasts. When you kill Mergo's wet nurse, you receive Nightmare Slain and the workshop's on fire. Yeah, Nightmare Slain I always thought was important and cool and good. Because you only see it a couple times. Yeah, it's usually when you kill a boss, you get prey slaughtered. Yeah, you get prey slaughtered, but a couple bosses you kill, you get Nightmare Slain. I think it's Mergo's wet nurse. Yep. You get it with the one reborn? I don't think so. I know you get it when you kill Koss. I know you get it when you kill Koss. But not when you kill Koss. When you kill Koss's ghosts. Right. I felt really bad at that part. <laughs> Honestly, I probably would have made the same mistake if you didn't tell me. I know. I So, in the DLC, the hardest boss, or one of the hardest bosses, because fuck Lawrence. Fuck Lawrence. Oh, yeah, that, that boss is awful. That boss is heartburn. But, um, Literally, because it's on fire. Yeah, I, I thought he was harder than Koss. Legitimately, I thought he was harder than Koss. No, what? yeah, the Koss was hard, but, but like, fun. was fun, and, like, you could actually learn pretty much how to, like, counter it and, w- like, how to maneuver around him. Lawrence was just like, here's a cleric beast on fire, have fun. It spits lava on, like, half the map. Yeah, oh, God. And it like, makes you, like, stuck. And then bleeds lava, whatever. Fuck Lawrence. But, um, the other... The, one of the hardest bosses in the game is a boss called the Orphan of Koss, who is uh, the son of a great one, which is not really super explained ever. But uh, when you kill him, it says something. No, it might not even say something. You just kill him and you get real excited because you killed Koss. But then his ghost is staring over the ocean weeping. And I, I saw that the first time and I was like, I, thought, I, I, like, I found Koss to be a sympathetic character, the Orphan. Like, I felt bad. But then, like, because it's just kind of defending its dead mother. But then, like, you got to kill its ghost, and that's how you officially beat it. Uh, Nick would not have done that, so I told him. I was like, hey, make sure when you kill Cost to kill its ghost so you can get the final bit of that story. But, uh, yeah, I know you get it from Mergo, and I know you get it for Cost. Moon Presence. Oh, you get it for the Moon Presence? Mm-hmm. I knew there was three. <clears throat> but, uh, yeah, ah, dude, that fight was annoying to me. I always thought the Moon Presence was annoying. It wasn't that hard. It was. It, I wasn't it was hard. Fight. It just was annoying. Yeah. I I'd rather the, have what, fought the, the one HP thing. Yeah, that sucked. That sucked, major dick. Yeah, there's um, the when you fight the moon presence, which we're pretty much gonna get to. Yeah, we're, we're gonna lore, get to in a minute. Lore wise, um, 
it has a move that brings you down to one HP and then temporarily disables you from healing yourself. <sighs> so that's always fun. But um, hi, my name is Dodge. Uh, so then you you go and confront Mergo's wet nurse, uh, and then you kill the wet nurse, which in turn kills Mergo, which was kind of one of the lichpins for everything. You wanted Mergo dead because Mergo is this infant great one that's supposed to have that's completely invisible and supposed to have a bunch of power. So killing Mergo's great uh, Mergo's wet nurse meant Mergo was gonna die too. And that's kind of what Queen Yarnum's ghost wanted you to do. Oh, spoilers! Queen Yarnum's ghost low key haunts you after the blood, the blood moon. She yeah. like just appears in places. Yeah, she appears like right after you beat Rom at the lake, and then right before you go up to the wet nurse. Yeah, I always thought that arena. was a weird scene where you're just like standing there after killing Rom, and then you get the blood moon happen. You're like, oh shit. And then you just pale, pan over, and there's just like this woman in white crying, and I'm just like. What did I do? <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. You need, you need a tissue. Oh, God, I love this game. This game is like all that horror and stuff. And tell me about the endings. So this game has three endings. We kind of touched upon most, them. Uh, most Souls games have multiple endings. So I think that it's important to just say that real quick. This isn't unlike them. So. So one ending. So you beat Mergo's Wet Nurse. You go back to the Nightmare's Dream. The night, wow, the hunter's dream, and <laughs> the uh, house on fire, and you go talk to Gearman, and he offers you a way out of the dream by accepting death, so you can either say yes or no, so the first ending is if you say yes, he takes his scythe to your head, and then you wake up in Yarnum as the sun's rising. Which I've always, I've always considered, I know it isn't considered the canonical ending, I always have. The hunt continues, that is the ending. Like, the ending is, like, you get to leave, but the hunt continues. It's implied that a couple hunters, because you encounter other hunters in this game, it's implied that a couple hunters are no, have taken that way out and are basically left with one life. Yeah. Uh, one of them is Jura, the powder, the powder uh, kegger that you meet, who likes blowing things up. The other one is uh, Eileen, the hunter of hunters. It's heavily implied that she took that way out, and this is her last hunt. So when she dies, she's dead. That's kind of what it is. As long as you're a, a hunter of the dream, then you can be reborn, because the hunt continues. But with this, you've taken that way out. You can choose to take. You can choose to do whatever. Yeah, you pretty much uh, release your consciousness from the from, dream from being connected to the dream. So the second ending is if you refuse. Uh, this offer by Gehrman, and then you have to fight him. Gehrman <laughs> joins the hunt. And he joins the hunt. Because he thinks that you've gone insane. Yeah, he, he thinks that it's some... It's... Like, the, why wouldn't you want to leave? Like, you, there must be something wrong with you. Yeah, this is a curse. Maybe you've become drunk with the blood and stuff like that, and then Gehrman joins the hunt. <laughs> so then you fight Gehrman, and you beat him, and then the moon presence comes down, and kind of, like, sucks on your belly. Pretty much. And uh, then you're seen taking Gearman's place. Yeah, you're, you're seen with the doll. Of, the host of the dream. Yeah, you're seen with the doll taking you away in a wheelchair. Which, like, again, that's a cool fucking ending. Like, the fact that, sure, yeah, but I'm not done. The moon presence going, no, but I'm not done with this fight. Oh! Yes. Love this game. 
And then the final ending is if you collect three of the four possible umbilical cords that you can collect in the game. I always get all four. No reason uh, not to. Yeah, they're pretty easy. You to get, get one from Mergo. You get one by just going to the hunter's workshop, and then you got to either one from you... Mikolash because he had one. No, you don't get Mikoloshes. The other, I you did. the uh, no, you get one in the hunter's workshop in the real world. Right. You get one so from killing the wet nurse. You get one from that crazy girl in the Yosefka. Uh, Yosefka's um, imposter. Yeah. Who gives birth to a great one, and then you kill her and take her umbilical cord. And then that crazy girl from Kanehurst that is in the chapel, like the she's wearing all red, sitting down. You have to go track her down. Mm. Uh, she gives birth to a great one. You get an umbilical cord from her, but you never get one from Mikolash. I think you did. Oh, I think because you just get it from Mergo, and I think that was that. Yeah. Because he communed with Mergo, so I think that was that. His. Yeah, I think that's his. Yeah. Because Mikolash died. His body died. Yeah. And his consciousness was living on in the nightmare. Because he basically killed all his students. Mikolash is crazy. Grant us eyes. Grant us eyes. Yeah, when you go into the where he is in the nightmare, you you beat the one reborn and you walk up to like where the school was and it's just a room filled with just corpses wearing cages. Yeah, all the students' corpses and then Mikolash's corpse in the center or like at the end in like a chair. And like when you touch it, it transports you. And then when you finally kill Mikolash, he's like, I don't want to wake up. But like he doesn't know that he's dead. Yeah. Because he thinks he's going to wake up and leave the nightmare. But he, you're not waking up, Mikolash. You have <laughs> nope. no body. You're dead now. Uh, so yeah, if you get all three umbilical cords and you refuse Gehrman and beat him, then the mood presence comes down and is unable to uh, turn you into the host of the dream. So then you fight the moon presence. And then when you beat the moon presence, you end up Ascending yourself in becoming an infant grade one. You just become this little squid thing. Yeah. This little cute little squid thing. A little squid in the Which doll. Which is actually like the my doll least... picks you up and she goes, oh, good hunter. Oh, good hunter. Yeah, I, I've always loved the fact that like the, the doll. So when you go into the, the dream, there's always this like life-size doll there to greet you who's like just there to serve you. And it's really subservient, and I'm not super comfortable with it. But she's a goddamn sweetheart. Oh, she really and is. She always calls you "Good Hunter." Yes. And I'm just, I actually, uh, there's a T-shirt I want that's got a quote from her on it. I don't wear graphic T-shirts most of the time. Actually, I look like a scumbag today. I was out working on my car, as you know, and I am wearing basketball shorts and a sleeveless shirt. Like I look like a dad, <laughs> <laughs> like like hardcore. Uh, I like that you can get. Her outfit, like the outfit she's wearing. So there was a part in the second, my second playthrough where I was just running around as the doll. Just because you play Fashion Souls. And I was just like, I'm going to play as the doll. Run around just killing things. Dude, if Fashion Souls is my shit. I always ran around in the old hunter garb. Because like I had this big hat on and this like flowing thing. It's like, I'm going to fuck you up as an old hunter. I, I like the Eileen's, the crow outfit. Yeah, the crow outfit's pretty dope. I just like the, I like the, uh, the flappy... Wings, yeah. Then you the, can do the feathers, and when you go on like any elevator, it just like stands <laughs> straight up or straight down. It's pretty funny. I like the cone thing you get from Alfred, because when you go down ladders, it like hits your head. It's so funny. And anyway, there's like a whole bunch to this game we haven't talked. We are haven't and are probably not going to really touch on Kanehurst, which is an entire part of this game that I'm not sure is why is it it's in this game. Yeah, it's super like, like separate. Kanehurst, which is where Martyr Luxurious is. Yeah, the martyr that he got stuck on is there. 
and like there's this whole sect that like came in there and killed everyone. It's a whole thing that feels completely separated to me. And so like I want to do another episode on Bloodborne eventually where we can talk about Kanehurst and the DLC. I feel like mixing those two together would give us enough content for an episode for sure. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, that that for the most part is a quick. There's so it's so deep lore wise. Oh, it's so deep. It's you can't tackle everything in just like the amount of time we did. We ta- we briefly went over as much of it as we could in a timeline that was consistent. But yeah, it's just like a, a hard game to to tackle this way. I'm dying again. But yeah, I, I, I obviously. I gush over this game. Oh, it's one of my favorites, too. It's so fun to play if you're not playing Chalice Dungeons. It is... Let's let's talk about that real quick. Nick, you've platinumed it, which means you've done all the bosses in Chalice Dungeons. What was your favorite? My favorite Chalice or favorite boss? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm trying to think of, like... Was it a dog? No, it wasn't a dog. Are you sure? Yeah. Are you positive? I'm positive. I loved the dog. Did you love the dog? I loved doing the dog with you. Oh. Um, I don't think I did all the chal- I feel like there's a lot more chalices, but the only real thing you need to do with the chalices is fight the queen. Yeah, you have, you to, have to fight, fight Queen, queen Yarnum, Yarnum, and you have to do certain chalices to fight Queen Yarnum. Yeah, so you have to, like, get certain chalices. You have to do certain chalices to get more chalices. Which to get cha- items to unlock those chalices. Which the chalices are literally cups that you get in the dungeons, the Thumerian tombs. Yeah. Like, you're exploring those tombs. It's a whole side part of the game that got a lot of criticism. I didn't even touch my first playthrough. I only did it the second playthrough and only because... They're not fun. I wanted to platinum the game. But no, they were not fun. They're super tedious. They're super long to go through. There's a lot of farming you have to do. They're yeah. They're not fun. No. And as much as I do love this game, it's one of the things that is stopping this game from being one of my favorite, like being my favorite game. Like it's definitely one of my favorites. Don't get me wrong, but I mean, you definitely don't. It's definitely like a side thing. Like you don't need to do it at all. It's unless like, you're doing the platinum. Not even encouraged. No. Unless you not. want. Unless you you're doing it for the platinum, or you want some of the unique weapons there. That's where you get the beast claws. Yeah, there's a couple of unique weapons. There's a couple of new, unique outfits, and there's a couple of unique enemies and bosses. Yeah, but I mean, most of the bosses are either like more monsters or recycled bosses. What about outside, that dog, though? Outside of the queen, which was kind of cool, I guess. Uh, there's a couple of Thumerian bosses you fight. Uh, you fight the undead giant, which I always thought that felt... Was a pain in the ass. It felt so Dark Souls-y to me. There's literally enemies in Dark Souls. There's called. that one where it's like, what's that... What's the electric beast boss? The Dark Beast Parl? Yeah, Dark Beast which, Parl. Which was, you know how I said that, like, I could beat Rom and Josh couldn't? This was, Josh could beat this boss and I couldn't. I, mean, I, I beat Parl first try. I always struggled with Parl. Um, there's Parl like, shouldn't even be there's a There's, like, a boss game. in the, the challenges that are kind of similar to him, but he's, like, more, like, stands up straight and, like, is buff. And he fucking sucked in the challenges. And I you just cheese the shit out of him by just throwing. He's super weak to poison, so you just hit him with poison arrows and run away. And I did that the entire fight. And that's how I beat him. Because he's he was super annoying and hard. But yeah, the Chalice sucked and... Um, there's the watchdog of the old lords, huh? Yeah, that was Fire Nick Demon, could fire not demon dog. beat this Fire Demon Dog to save his life. So I, I joined his game and we spent hours. It's like, it's not the first time you fight it. 
I'm pretty sure. Like, I'm yeah. pretty sure it's one of the. It's just because plus. that chalice has your health at base. Yeah, yeah you have health, half health, and still take normal damage from elemental attacks. And every boss in that chalice does, does fire elemental. Da- yeah, does pretty much fire damage. I think there's one other that does something else, but yeah. Yeah, that that was rough. It was awful. <laughs> no pun intended. I was like, we talked about this last step, uh, last episode. Like, why would you do this? This is like not. This is when the game is unfair hard. Yeah, it was not fun. But uh, yeah, fun fact about Dark Beast Parl, he shouldn't be in the game. He lore wise doesn't make any sense. Good. He's like this undead beast, but like there's no real undeadness in uh, Bloodborne. But what it is is the the director, one of the directors of the game, was got really attached to the idea of Dark Beast Parl. So when they tried to take him out, he was like, no. <laughs> so they just like. We're like, well, we're not gonna put him as a main boss. They just like shuffled him to the side, and he's really easy to miss yeah. because he like is so doesn't belong in the game and is just appeasing one person. So like, Dark Beast Parl just shouldn't be in the game. I agree. Thank and you, thank you, that one guy for that boss that I do not like. Yeah. So yeah, he just like doesn't belong, <laughs> which is just weird to me. It's like one of those weird things, but he was super easy for me. No, did not care. But it's one of the ones that gave me the most trouble. Yeah, it's one of bosses are so strange in Bloodborne because I'll struggle with one, Nick won't, and vice versa. And like, I'll, I'll talk to friends that are like, "Oh, this boss was so hard," or like, "Oh, I beat Koss in like two tries," just because it matches how they fight. Yeah, and like matches their build and matches all this. It's such a game that's so personalized. Weirdly enough, I was playing Bloodborne at the same time as a. Uh, Breath of the Wild, most my most recent playthrough. I was playing it when Breath of the Wild came out. And they react to weapons completely different. So in Bloodborne, it's the game is designed for you to become attached to your weapon. You are supposed to feel a relationship with your weapon because you upgrade it through all these things. Like I we remember what weapons we used in our playthrough. Yeah. Because you, you build a bond with your weapon. And at the same time, I'm playing Breath of the Wild, which has the exact opposite thoughts on weapons, which yep. is use it till it breaks and then find something else. Yep. So I'm like, but I don't want this to break. I like this weapon. I like it. It was real tough. It was real tough. It was. But at the end of the day, one yeah, of my favorite. The, the Bond thing, especially because like, there's only, until the DLC came out, you could only DLC bring... almost doubled the amount of weapons that are in the game. But like, I was, the thing I was gonna say was until the DLC came out, they were, you could only bring one weapon to max through one playthrough. Yeah, because you could only get so many blood needed, chunks. The last thing you needed was a blood rock, and there was only one. There's one in the main game and one in the DLC, and that's what you need to make your weapon plus ten, which is the highest it can go. Blood rock, blood rock, metal as shit. <laughs> That whole game is metal as shit. Like, after boss fights, you're just covered in blood. Yeah. Oh, I love it. The cleric beast. I remember fighting the cleric beast and then looking at my character after going, why do I have so much blood on me? <laughs> I'm going to need to take a shower. But, yeah, I I love this game. And I'm glad we finally got to talk about the lore a little bit. It's great. And Definitely. If you haven't played it, pick it up. It's, But let me tell you, it's not an easy game. No, absolutely not. Like I said, I got my ass handed to me the uh the first time i played it but if you can persevere through that it's super fun and satisfying to play like it's a it's a souls game and one of the other things from souls game is the the death screen's pretty infamous yeah it just says you died in a certain font i i literally have it on my controller we got decal we went to pax this year nick and i pax east 
And I got decals from my PlayStation controller so that when it lights up, it says you died. It's the like, that's thing. how iconic this, like, the whole thing is. Like, you dying in these games is, like, a part of it. And so it's not an easy game, but I think that it's a great game. You really feel like you learn playing this game. And the story's fascinating. Like, so in-depth and so fascinating. Whoever does the writing for these games, other than Dark Souls 3, should really, like, write novels. Because it's so in-depth. Yeah. I love it. It really is. I agree. Except Dark Souls 3. And um, Dark Souls 3 feels like 70% of a game. That's my issue with Dark Souls 3. (laughs) It feels like it's almost there. Like you get a little, little, little way. Like off. they, they keep like mentioning these concepts that have never been mentioned before, and then don't follow up on it. Yeah, I can see why that's annoying. It's so frustrating. I hate it. I love it because it's a Dark Souls game. It's a blast. It's a lot of fun, and they they really perfected gameplay this time around. But they only did like seventy percent of the story. You're missing a part. Just enough to tease me. So anyway... Maybe it's in the DLC you haven't played. No, it isn't. Because the DLC is an entirely separate story that no one knew about before. Nick, don't. <laughs> I'm so triggered. Do not... This week on Josh Gets Triggered on Navi Tales. Do not trigger me about the DLC. And there's a reason I haven't played the most recent DLC. Which is because you have to be like almost capped level in a Souls game. To even like contend with everything. It's like over the top... Way too on purpose hard. I have a problem with that. I'm fine with challenging at like a high level, but it's bullshit. And this, I don't give a fuck about the story in that because it has nothing to do with any of the shit I give about. They added another daughter of Gwyn when like, I'm done. I'm done. I'm not talking about this. Nick, what have you been playing? <laughs> I have been playing Kingdom Hearts 2 uh, as I'm trying to learn how to speed run the bosses on critical mode. And man, why did I do this to myself? Yeah, no, you're dumb. Yeah. You're a big dumb dumb. I'm on uh, the end of Timeless River trying to do the final Pete fight. But, uh, I mean, it's satisfying once you get it, but, like, goddamn, you just make yourself die constantly because you're like, oh, I fucked this one thing up. You start the boss over. It was mostly, I mostly did this because I have really nothing else I want to play. Yeah, both of us are in like the middle of what we call game ruts. We're yeah. like, we just got nothing to play right now. Yeah, I'm just kind of doing that, playing some Overwatch and uh, playing some Pokemon Go. Caught Moltres this week. Congrats. Thanks. Zapdos, Did you see, uh... Zapdos is next week. Yeah, you saw the group text with Bro getting hyped about Blastoise. I did. That was fucking, his wife texted me after that saying that was the funniest thing you've ever said. <laughs> That was pretty funny. So, I have a friend. Actually, he just texted us in our group chat. Yeah, he wants to know when we're available tomorrow. Oh. I'm off at one. So, we got this friend, bro, who lives in Massachusetts. He uh, was my roommate in college, and he's one of my best friends in the world. But And he is so just naively sweet. Like, it's it's adorable. He's so cute. So, he caught a Blastoise in Pokemon Go. And uh, got really excited about it. He said, Dude's, dude, it's past his bedtime. This is what happens when he's out and about. He get caught. Ooh, because he literally cannot text to save his life. No, he cannot. It's so, it's so endearing. I love him. So I responded, bro, 
I love you to the moon and back. I love you as much as a man can love another man and still have feelings for women. If you asked me to do something for you, I would drop what I'm doing to help you out because I know you would do the same for me. At the end of the world, I know you'll be standing there waiting for me because that's how strong our friendship is. But I don't give a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> and his wife texted me saying, that's maybe the funniest thing you've ever said. It was. I was, said. I was dying when I read that. <laughs> like, it was so funny. Because I doubt it was like midnight. I literally could give less of a shit that he's getting that. Um, Yeah, but we're both in the middle of game ruts. We just got like nothing really to play. Yeah. Like I'm playing Fallout 4 again. I modded the shit out of it. And he's but, like, complaining that he's playing Fallout 4 I'm just again. complaining that I'm playing Fallout 4. And then I bought Salt and Sanctuary, which is interestingly enough supposed to be like a Souls game, but a platformer. It's fun for what it is, but like... It just feels like not a Souls game. Yeah. I just got, like, nothing. I, I know Undertale comes out on the 15th, which is cool. And I know there's this, this game Hellblade by Team Ninja that comes out next week that I think I'm going to pick up. But, like, I just got nothing. If you got game suggestions, like, by all means, let me know. Oh, I've been playing Injustice 2 still because they just released the premiere skin for Superman that turns him into Bizarro. And it's great. So it's the first time I've actually given a shit about playing Superman in this game. I'm just running around as Bizarro going, me number one. <laughs> I love it. But um, yeah, it's just like, I, I've just got nothing. Yeah, same. Until like the end of August, I pretty much don't have anything that yeah. I really give a shit about. Just like, I mean, you, if you haven't played it, I recommend picking up Undertale when it comes out. I, no, I haven't played it myself. I've watched a let's play of it but it's never the same no i know it's not back when i the reason i'm picking it up is i've seen an entire playthrough of undertale i used to be on our youtube channel and we did undertale on it but i wasn't the one playing at that particular time it was someone else so i i picked it up deciding hey i'm gonna actually play undertale for once so uh i don't have a working pc at the moment so i picked it up for ps4 because it comes out uh then on the 15th of August, and more importantly, I've got to get it on my Vita, because it's cross-by. So I'm going to play Undertale on the goo. Because I actually am one of, like, three people that own a PlayStation Vita. Yeah, I do not. I only use it to play Darkest Dungeon. <laughs> which is a great game. But yeah. We're in the middle of Game Rots. If you have game suggestions for a couple of people who don't know exactly what to play right now, please tweet at us at the Great Sweat EP or at Whatever your handle is. Mr. Underscore Gomes 017. Perfect. We could always pick up Splatoon too. <laughs> we could. We could, but then that's But 60... neither of us have decided if we want to. That's a sixty dollar investment that I don't know if I want to make. Yeah, exactly. Neither of us have decided if we actually want to buy Splatoon 2. But both of us kind of want to buy Splatoon 2. I can't decide if I want to buy Splatoon 2 because I want to play Splatoon 2 or if because I'm in a game rut. That's my problem, too. I don't feel like spending 60 bucks to realize, no, you're just still in a game rut. Yeah. Yeah, just... I had to fix my car earlier. That was, like, more fun than the games I've been playing lately. And I got <laughs> pissed at it. But at least I gave a shit, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, ah, it is what it is. Anyway, as depressing as this ending is... I mean, we could end on a light note. I picked up Lego Worlds and it's fun as shit. It's like, there's no game to it really, but I've been playing it with my friend. Uh, it's my friend that I play Minecraft with, Casey. Uh, and we've been playing that. Lego Worlds is just basically Minecraft with Legos. And shut up! <laughs>
Jesus. And um, it's just like Minecraft with Legos. So like I'm running around doing that, and I found out that you could spawn animals and stuff mm-hmm. in like creative mode. Yep. So I was like looking through all them animals. There's a fuckload. And I saw that there were goats. If you know anything about me. Josh has a weird goat fetish. I love goats. Like, I unhealthy love goats. I think they are the cutest, dumbest shits. I just want to hold it. Literally, this Sunday, I'm going to go to a petting zoo to go pet goats. I am this. I am excited. I'm, like, so hyped that I get to go pet goats. <laughs> like, I, like, I feel butterflies in my stomach just talking about it. But I found out you could spawn goats in this Lego Worlds thing. But not only could you spawn them. But you could ride them. That's so awesome. I was running around on a goat char- saying, I'm going to charge into battle on my mighty steed. And it was, I was having so much fun. And then she went home. And that's what put back since. And then I was sad. <laughs> so I was like. I couldn't play with the goats anymore. I can't play with goats no more. But I think I'm going to play, like, there's a story mode in it. <laughs> Air quotes. Air quotes. So I think I'm going to try that out. But like, I, I don't know. It's a fucking... Just hope that there's goats in it, you know? Yeah. But anyway, next time on Navi Tales, we're going to talk about another game's lore. We should plan ahead, but we don't. I love you. I love you, too. And I love you, audience. Yes. We were talking to each other the first time. Yeah. Not you guys. I'll uh, see you next time, baby. You don't kiss me like that. Or you kiss the audience like that. You don't kiss me like that. Cuter. I was there. I was here first. I was here before the audience. They're cuter. The audience is cuter. Yeah. That's it. That remains to be seen. Anyway, see you next time. Love bye. you. Bye. 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 <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>